So when the word is challenging you, there's nothing really to say but just do your thing. Let the word do what it needs to do in your life because the word will save us. The word of God will save our soul. If we obey the word of God, it will save our soul. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse number 1. It's good to see everyone. I'm always excited to come to church and meet up when I'm getting dressed in the morning, getting showered in the morning, getting ready to come to church. I just think about being together with everyone here. It's just such a wonderful thing. God is so good to us. He orchestrates all of this. And so it's none of our doing. It's all what God is doing. He's the one orchestrating us being together. And he's got great big plans for us. And so if we would just continue to follow him, we will experience what God has in store for us. Verse number one says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Jesus, whatever you want to do in this place, let it be done. We yield. Would somebody right now just yield to God? Say, God, I yield to you. I give myself to you. And I say, God, do whatever you want in me, in us, in this place. Because, God, our desire is to fulfill our purpose that you created us for. Our desire is to have the kind of influence and impact that you have called us to have in this world at this time. Our desire is for us to live that life that you have ordained for us to live, to enjoy the glory of God, the blessings of God, the power of God, to enjoy fellowship with one another and the love of God among one another. Father, I pray that whatsoever you will, let it be done, that we will not leave the same way we came in, but change will take place within our soul. I pray today, O oh God, that you use me to speak as your oracle. Allow me to walk in the Spirit, to talk in the Spirit, and allow the Spirit of God to use me as you desire. I pray, Almighty God, that hearts will be wide open to receive the Word of God, and that Lord, change, change, bona fide, divine, miraculous change will come into our life. Revelation will come into our heart. Understanding will come to our mind. Eta 
Itanokoshele, Yese Telemaha, Idarabasa Toromoho, Imokayese Te Yadarabaha, Yese Tebosho, Ikoramaso Tia Yendehe. Oh, Jesus, what can we do today? What must we do today? Will you work in our life, Almighty God? For we're desperate to become who you want us to be. We're desperate to live out that life. You've ordained us to live. We're desperate, Lord, for you. We're desperate to know your ways. We're desperate, Lord, in every way in you. Will you have your way today, oh great God, as we give you praise and honor, as we lift up your name for your worthy, and we give you honor this morning. There is none like you, oh great God. There is one God, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We give you the praise. Will somebody open up their mouth this morning, clap your hands unto the Lord, and let Him know you love Him and appreciate Him in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I've entitled this morning's message, Checkups. Checkups. A generation ago, people used to see their doctor only when they were sick or if they're dying. Today, preventative measure Healthcare is becoming commonplace as people become more educated and empowered about their own health. People are preemptively seeking medical advice on how to live a healthy lifestyle. They are looking to lower their risk of various conditions or diseases by maintaining a healthy diet, weight, and a level of physical activity. Doctors are also requesting that patients get regular checkups to help stay on top of their health. They are highlighting the importance of prevention as a means to reduce the number of patients requiring medical treatment or surgery. Regular checkups can help find potential health issues before they become a problem. When you see your doctor regularly, they are able to detect health conditions or diseases early. Early detection gives you the best chance for getting the right treatment quickly, avoiding any complications. By getting the correct health services, screenings, and treatment, you are taking important steps towards living a longer, healthier life. The benefits of regular checkups include reduce your risk of getting sick, detect potentially life-threatening health conditions or diseases early, increase chances 
for treatment and cure, limit, sick, limit risk of complications by closely monitoring existing conditions, increase lifespan and improve health, reduce health care costs over time by avoiding costly medical services. It is important for our physical health to be well. But the best way to assure that you will remain well physically is to do regular checkups. If we go to the physician regularly and have them check us, if we pay attention, nurses, to our bodies, and our bodies normally tell us what's going on, and we frequent the physician, we will have a better lifestyle than if we just live our life and ignore our body and never go to the physician. The Corinthians were the critics of the apostles' age. So when you read the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, those folks, the Corinthians, were the ones that were the real critics of everything. They analyzed everything and they were critical about everything. They took to themselves great credit for skills in learning as much as most men do. Unfortunately, in their wisdom of understanding things, most of us with, with, with understanding and wisdom do what the Corinthians do. Instead of using what we know for good, we use it to criticize. And so the Corinthians had knowledge because they, 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 they examined things and learned things. And when they learned it, instead of using it for good, they used it to be critical. Paul responded to them being critical by saying, you have disputed the doctrine Examine whether you be in the faith. Paul did a Jesus move on them. You ever notice Jesus when you read about him? People ask him stuff and he respond by answering the question by asking a question. <laughs> and so Paul did a Jesus move on them by them questioning him and being critical, he now said to them, examine whether ye be in the faith. You have made me prove my apostleship. Prove your own selves whether you be in the faith. And so Paul challenged them. The fault of the Corinthians is the fault of this present age. As we leave church service, we may say to our bestie, how did you think the preacher was? What did you think of the sermon? Uh -huh. Should those be the questions we ask after we leave service? Do we come to the house of God to judge whether God's word was any good or was God's preacher, God's servant was any good? What we all should be saying is the word of God spoke to my heart. I have a, I have work to do because of what I heard 
preached. I want to be better in who I am as a Christian. Oh, the presence of the Lord, wasn't it just wonderful? I remember when I lift my hands and I felt like the Lord was moving in my life and I felt like the words that were being spoken was being spoken directly to me. Oh, that we will come to church and that will be our response and nothing else. Because we're, we're, this is the word of God that's being spoken. And God's word, no matter what we think, is always right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The word of God says, examine yourself, not examine your neighbor. I can't tell you if we could ever get to that place where we will come to church and we greet one another when church starts and we love one another, give one another a kiss. But after the start, we start praying and after we start singing, I can't see nobody but Jesus. I can't see who is in front of me. I can't see who is behind me. I can't see who is beside me. All I want to see is the glory of God because I'm here today to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm here today to come to a place of getting an understanding of who Jesus is and anything else will just get in my way. We're not here to examine our neighbors, how they look, what they did. We're not here for that. We're here for Jesus. We're here to worship Him. We're here to hear His Word and to become a doer of His Word. We're here to encounter Jesus. That's why we're here. Church, I'm here to help you. We have to guard against becoming traditional people where we know Sundays at 10.30 we gather together here and yes, the, the preacher preach a little word and yes, sometimes it's good, other times it's okay, other times it's not good. Oh, you know, we, 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 we judge all these things that get, get, get done during any church service and we just come in every Sunday. It's like a, it's like a revolving door. We come in and do what we do and then we leave. I'm here to tell you this morning, we have to guard against those things. If not, now when are we going to make a decision to say uh, something needs to be different uh, in my life something needs to be different uh, how I live for God something needs to be different uh, how I respond to the word of God uh, something needs to be different uh, how I worship Uh, last week I came in all I did was clap my hands uh, but this week uh, I'm going to stand and lift my hands Uh, this week I'm going to stand and open up my mouth uh, and I'm going to praise Jesus Uh, this week I'm going to come And I'm going to call on his name. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. But this week, I got to do something to get his attention. Man, I appreciate the people I read in the Bible that got the attention of Jesus. Funniest thing about it is he knew all along they were where they were. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Jesus was walking about doing miracles. 
and blind Bartimaeus says Jesus and Jesus had his entourage with him not that he wanted the entourage but the entourage followed him because they were seeing all these great stuff and so blind Bartimaeus says Jesus oh have mercy on me and the entourage said oh be quiet and oh the blind Bartimaeus said nobody gonna shut me up and he just got louder Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me the man was blind and he needed to see and he didn't allow anybody to shut him up will somebody in the house of God understand that if you have a need from Jesus you can't let anybody shut you up you can't let anybody shut you down you gotta go to Jesus and say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me don't let anything stop you from seeking Jesus when we come together. That's what we're supposed to do. When we make this a traditional thing, after a while, the Bible says you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. And if we make this our religious act, if we make this our tradition of what we do, what will happen is this will be a thing where we look like we have a form of godliness, but the power for transformation and change to take place in our life, it will not happen because we just came in so often and just was status quo and sat and did nothing and never changed up and never seek the Lord and never said God. God, I need you, and nothing will change if we just come and sit. Do you believe that there's a Jesus? Do you believe that he's real? Do you believe that he's all-knowing? Do you believe that he can change some things in your life? Do you believe that he can do what you need him to do? Well, if you do, you need to be like blind Bartimaeus and say, Jesus, I will not be embarrassed of just calling on your name, of just shouting out, of just worshiping. I will not be embarrassed because I need a touch. Bible talks about the woman with the issue of blood and that woman blind Bartimaeus he just went crazy calling out Jesus the woman with the issue of blood she got on her knees and started crawling on the floor and I'm sure it wasn't no carpeted floor Mm-hmm. It wasn't carpeted. And she got on her knees and started crawling to Jesus because she got tired of dealing with that issue of blood and she needed a change. I say it all the time. I think sometimes we don't really believe that there's anything wrong with us where we really need a change. But maybe if we get checkups, we will start to realize I do need a change. And maybe if we get checkups, maybe we will realize something needs to change in my life. You see, when you don't get checkups, you can just keep thinking everything is all right. Because it's in our nature to think, oh, it's all right. But that's because we didn't get checkups. Mm-hmm. You see, the word of God says, examine yourself, not your neighbor. When you think about examination, examine yourself, I don't know what you think about. But here's something you can think about. Think about the lawyer examining the witness on the stand. 
Think about the witness on the stand being cross-examined. You ever see that? That's not easy. That's intense. As a matter of fact, that's uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, there's almost fighting within. It's organized fight when an attorney starts to cross-examine a witness. Uh-huh. The witness is questioned backwards and forward, this way and that way. And while the witness is being questioned, guess what the witness does, like we like to do? Trying to think about a loophole. Because if that lawyer is hitting something that's legit, and you don't want to say it on the witness stand because you don't want to get busted, your, 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 your mind starts working and trying to figure out the loophole to deceive, the loophole to not get caught. And why is that? Because all of us have this treacherous heart that will deceive us every time. And so sometimes instead of just saying, yeah, that's true. You know what we do? We let our heart deceive us. And we fight against the truth. Jeremiah 17 verse 19 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need to take that one in. This is why I say we can be comfortable with one another. You don't have to be intimidated by anyone. You don't have to feel less than around anyone. Because if we want to get technical... Mess with you two since you're in the front. That's what happened. Maybe that's why people don't sit in the front because they know the preacher going to mess with them. But you can tell her and she can tell you that heart of yours is so wicked and she's not being mean. It's the word of God. Our heart is just messed up. And so when we sit around here and cross our legs and we got on our nice clothes looking like we goody two shoe, you can put it on all you want. Put it on all you want. This preacher know better. And I know the only thing that's going to help me be half decent is if I get Jesus in my life. And so I'm not going to walk around here thinking I'm somebody when I'm nobody. It's only the grace of God. It's only the mercy of God. It's only the love of God that helps us to become somebody. Because without Jesus, our heart is deceitful and evil and will cause us to do wicked things. To one another. We, we read the news or we look at the news and we says, I can't believe. Why? I know the word of God. I can believe. How can they shoot up? I know what's going on. We keep on thinking politics got something to do with it. What about the gun laws and, 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 and this and that? We keep on missing the mark thinking the wrong things. Because the truth of the matter is, all of our hearts are evil. Leave us to our vices, eventually we're going to do crooked and evil things. You can say whatever you want. You different. Okay, somebody always think they different. I'm different. No, Jesus made us all the same way. You're not different. You got red blood. You got flesh on. You just like every one of us. You're not different. The bottom line is, what will keep you living half decent is having Jesus in your life. 
Without Jesus, at any time, you can blow up. Without Jesus, at any time, you can do something crazy and then say, I can't believe I did that. Your heart is deceitful and evil. Because of this deceitfulness of our heart, we have to do a checkup of our Christian life. And we have to do the checkups regularly. When you examine yourself, don't just look at your actions. Dig deeper into your heart and examine the principles of your action. Okay, some might not have gotten that. I can do something to put on a front, to look good, to say, look at me. But the reason for why I'm doing it is not right. That's probably what we do a lot of these days. We, we, we do things to be what they call it. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Politically correct. So we do things to be politically correct, but deep down, whew, if we ever expose those thoughts that's going on in our heart. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of that, a lot of put on. And so when we say check up, examine yourself, we're saying go below actions. What you do is not enough because we all confront. We all can put on. We all can act like. But that doesn't mean that that's really who we are. Uh-huh. I said this to some people the other day. I said, when you come outside, you put on your best you. So whatever you are that we see, well, you're worse than that at home. So if you are a monster when you're out, Lord, I don't want to come to your house. Because we put on our best us when we step out of the house. That's the best people are getting of us when we step out of that house. And when we go in that house, ooh, that's us. We didn't put anything on. We took off and became us. And so, <laughs> we got to do checkups. We got to go below the surface. Why did I do that? As opposed to, well, I know I'm okay because I go and give to the poor. I know I'm okay because when people have need, I give to them. I know I'm okay because I talk to people. And so that's as far as some of our examination go, our checkups go. So as far as it, we just kind of, I treat people good. I don't do anything wrong to anybody. Yeah. I mean, if I see somebody in need, I'll give them something. And we use that to say, I know I'm okay. Well, I'm telling you this morning, if you're really, truly trying to do some self-examination because you want to be right with God, you better go below that and say, why am I giving people stuff? Why am I treating people nice? Why am I doing this? I'm going to go deep. Which is not, this is, this is too deep. But I'm going to go a little deep. You married to somebody. And you treat everybody good except for them. 
and you telling everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Because everybody you see, you treat good, but that spouse you don't treat good. You think that's legit? That ain't legit. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say examine yourself. Because the Lord will never accept that. He said, love your enemy. So if your spouse is your enemy, they still deserve. Y'all don't want to mess with me. If you think your spouse is a witch, if you think your husband is that, whatever you think they are, the Lord still says, love your enemy. And so we can't have no reasons or excuses to treat everybody good and then treat our spouse bad. We need checkups. We need checkups. We need checkups. We got to examine ourselves. This is what I'm talking about. Don't just go by your actions. We can go with our actions. Remember, we said the heart is deceitful and the heart will make you do things to look good, but the heart keeps you trapped in all, just, just, just evil. And so when you're in your own space, the evil that goes through your mind uh, is just corruptive uh, and you're still just consumed with evil. But when you step out, you know how to put the front on. We're not going to get to heaven like that, church. We're not going to get to heaven like that by putting on the action when we see everybody. But by ourselves and at our home, we're raving in wolves. We're just a mess. And this is why God had me to preach this word this morning. That we need checkups. We got to examine ourselves. Because God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be righteous. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be right with him. God wants you to be loving. God wants all those things for you. So you can't deceive yourself to think that you're good when you're not. We got to go below the actions. We got to check the principles. The reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. Are you doing it to gain favor with people? Are you doing it so you can get a good reputation? Are you doing it for whatever the reason is that benefit you and profit you? Or are you just doing it out of the pureness of good love that God has placed within you? The text tells us to examine ourselves, checkups, see what's going on within ourselves, examine our heart, make sure whatever is going on with us is legit. Listen to me. The text didn't stop at examine yourselves. The text went on to say, prove yourselves. Prove yourselves. So not only do you have to examine yourselves, but now you got to prove. Proving yourself is a step further than self-examination. We can examine ourselves and lie to ourselves, but you can't prove yourself and lie to yourself. (laughs) 
Let me give you an example of how that works. How proving works. The importance of understanding proving yourself. I can buy a great looking thoroughbred racehorse. You know, I like horses if you know me. I think they're the most beautiful animals in the world. Oh man, love horses. And so you can buy the most beautiful thoroughbred racehorse. And when you look at him, chest plate is right, just body is right, everything, the curves, everything, he just walk right and everything. You examine him, and everything is just right. I mean, every place you look, the curves are just, he's not too fat, not too skinny, just everything about the racehorse is just beautiful. You examine it. Run your hand all over the body, silky and nice. But that racehorse haven't been proven because he never ran. You never saw him run. You didn't see that horse run. You didn't see that horse exercise. All you saw was the beauty of that racehorse. And until you see that horse run, until you see that horse perform, you won't know if he's going to be good. And you can only prove something by trial, by test. Nothing can be proven just by looks and examination. It needs to be proven. And so while we examine ourselves, we give ourselves checkups to see where we are in Christ and how we're living in Christ, we still need to prove ourselves as Christians. It's not my word. Can you put that scripture back up there, please? Audiovisual. 13 and 5, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Just so people know I'm not giving them my own word. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove! So I didn't come up with that, right? So when you get with Bestie, you don't tell Bestie. You heard what he was saying? He was just talking his own stuff up there. Nope, I wasn't talking my own stuff. We can examine ourselves and deceive ourselves. Uh-huh. Thinking that we're Okay. We're doing well and everything is all good. But we can't prove ourselves to be in deceit. Hmm. Many of us, listen to me, can examine ourselves and say, I'm safe. I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm saved, hold, uh, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. Right, Sister Ray, you know, you, you heard that many times. I'm, I know I'm saved. Can't nobody tell me I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know the Lord. He loves me. And I know I ain't what I'm supposed to be right now, and I'm striving to be what I'm supposed to be. I know I'm saved. How about you say one day to them boldly, then prove it. Don't just say you saved. Prove you're saved. Because this is too important for us to just deceive ourselves in thinking that I know I'm good. This is not health insurance. This is not your job. This is not anything else where if it gets messed up, you can do something to fix it. No, this is your soul. you got one life to live. And if that life gets messed up, there is nothing you can do to correct it when you leave this world. 
No, we can't be talking about, oh, I know I'm saved. Now you better prove you're saved. Prove you're saved. And you can only prove you're saved through actions, trials, and tests. You can't prove you're saved by coming to church. You know how you're going to prove you're saved? Being in our world. You, you, want, you want to know how to prove you're saved? Get around people that's doing the opposite of you and see if you get pulled in or see if you stand firm. You want to prove you're saved? Just go out there and mingle with people that's not like you and see if you start doing like them or they start doing like you. You want to prove you're saved? Uh-huh. We, we, we attend church services and say, I know I'm saved. Yeah, we can deceive ourselves. We already passed that. Uh-huh. We got to prove we're saved in this day and age. Can I just talk to you about this? I don't know how many of us in here really want to see our family saved. I don't, I don't know if you think, I, I might even go as far as to say, do you believe this is really true? Do you believe this is really real? Because if you conclude that this is real and this is true, do you want any of your family member to miss heaven? Do you want to see people you love miss heaven? So if that's true, how you plan to help with that process? How do you plan? Because here's the truth of the matter. You're going to have to prove you saved. If they're going to get saved, you have to prove you saved. And how you're going to prove you saved? They're, listen, sometimes I say to myself, maybe you need to try this if you don't try it. Sometimes I say to myself, God, I thank you for putting those people in my life to make my life difficult because it proves me to be the man of God I need to be. I don't want all easygoing people in my life. Give me some hard people in my life. I can handle it. We get all worked up when we get some people that are difficult in our life. I, I'm just not messing with them. I can't mess with them. It is too much. Every time I turn around, it's something. Bring them on, baby. Bring them on. Because I need to know I'm saved. I need to know I have a right relationship with God. And without some difficulties, without some challenges, without the road being rough and tough, without people coming at you, if you don't have that, you are not proving you're saved. When someone gets in your face, Put the finger in your face. What are you doing? You better get that finger out my face. Because I know I'm a Christian, but you put your finger in my face one more time. <laughs> Guess what? You want to hear how my brain works? Guess what? You do that, you will never be used to help them get saved. They have to know, Bob, that no matter what they did and how they were and no matter how they lived their life, they watched you out the corner of their eye and they're going to be able to say, he never flinched. He kept going in the right direction. And even when I thought and I watched him struggle and I watched him going through stuff, I thought he was going to just, just do something crazy, but he kept going. You got to prove you saved. You can't just say you save. And so this morning the Lord has, has, has brought me before you to say, you got to prove your faith 
you can't just say you know that you are. You have to prove it. And the way it's going to be proven is by trials and tests. It's not going to be proven by coming to church. Can you imagine? Some days I want to come to church so bad. Why? Because I was in a place where all I heard was cussing. And I couldn't walk up to them and say, can you stop cussing? Free world, free speech. If the power of the Holy Ghost don't tell them to stop cussing, I'm not telling them to stop cussing. And so I couldn't wait to get into the house of the Lord and says, Woo! All my brothers and sisters, as we come together, we have good, pure fellowship. We worship the Lord. There is no cursing. Everything is all good. That, that won't prove my, 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 my salvation. That won't prove my faith. You all are nice, good people when you come to church. And so, we come here, it's not hard to do our thing. We don't prove that we're saved when we come here. We prove we're saved when we go out there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, that's when we prove we're saved. D- do you want people to know you're saved when you're out there or you're trying to act like, I don't want people to really know. That's how we live in, where we're trying to cover up. Can I ask you a question? When are we going to get to the place to realize those that are not saved is going to flaunt their life in front of your life or in front of your face, whichever way you want. Those that are not saved, they do that. And you just let them do it, and you still just kind of timid about your little salvation. Well, bless God. And they just doing their thing. Is that how we living? Is that how we living? They just doing their thing. Sister Raven said, no, 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 I ain't doing that. They go, no, I'm saved. I'm not doing that. I'm not bowing. Listen, I, you got to realize, let me ask this question. Who been saved all their life in this church? We might have a couple. Who been saved all their life, just in church all their life? Woo! And you letting people that are not saved mess with you from acting like you saved? When you were once where they were? Are you kidding me? I'm quick to tell them. Yo, y'all heard me say it before because I can't help myself. That when people try to come up with their stars, yo, I did my thing. And it ain't, it ain't as good as what I'm doing right now. Can't even compare to what I'm doing right now. You can tell me anything you want. Um, I was telling somebody yesterday, I was telling Patrice, Brother Henry, and Brother Phillips will know what I'm talking about. But every boxing day in Jamaica, December 26th, we used to have a concert stage show called Sting. I used to try to get to Jamaica every year, make sure I was in Jamaica for Sting. Back in those times, they had cassettes. That's what you were playing, cassettes. Yo, when I touched back America, I had every latest of everything. They had to come ask me. What's going on? Who was the latest this and who's the latest artist? I had everything. 
I had stacks of every latest dance hall that was going on. In my car, you come in my front seat, you can't sit on the seat because I got this whole thing of cassettes. Every stage show, every artist, can't mess with me. So tell me now, Brother Henry, who going to try to get me to go back to do that? And I'll go as far as to say, and though they're doing it now, can't even compare to what we used to have. Get out of here. Get out of here. And you want me to worry about that life? Man, they haven't tasted of our life. And that's what we're supposed to be telling them. Taste of this life. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. They're ignorant and they don't know who Jesus is. But if we will live the life Jesus has called us to live, then maybe they will have a chance to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm finishing up here. We got to prove our faith. Don't get offended when you're put into challenging situations to prove your faith. Say, bring it on. Because I need to know before it's too late. I remember the scripture in Luke. I don't know if it's 16, probably 16, when it talked about the rich man died, and the beggar man died. The beggar man opened up his eyes. He was in the presence of, of the Lord, carried away in Abraham's bosom. The rich man, the rich man, the Bible says, opened up his eyes, and in hell he found himself. So the bottom line is when we leave here, if we don't leave here right, we open up our eyes to eternal damnation. There's no getting you out of there. No, no getting you out. And so we might as well prove it right now because there's no other place to prove it. You, there's no purgatory to prove it. Ain't no purgatory to prove it. You're going to either prove it by your walk in this earth or you won't prove it at all. So we need to become strong in our faith and say, you can prove me because you can test me because I will show that I'm proven that I'm a bona fide child of God. All right. Y'all ready to go home. A man who wishes to prove an axe to see whether it is good or not does not sit down and look at it. Or read all the treaties which he can find on the axe making and on the properties of iron and steel, valuable as such information would be. He has to shoulder, throw his axe on his shoulder, and he has to go into the woods and start chopping. So if you got a nice axe and you think it's made from the best steel, I mean, look at the inscription, who made it? I mean, the wood on it is strong. Look at my axe. Again, you can examine it. It looks nice. Good maker. But until you take it in the woods with you and start chopping some wood, and you start to see some wood getting chopped, the axe don't mean anything. The axe have to be proven. We, the children of God, we're going to have to prove ourselves that we are in the faith. Mm -hmm. We have to prove ourselves that we're in the faith. 
So if a man wishes to know what is his faith worth, if it's true or not, let him prove it. And you can't prove it in church. It's the opposite. You prove it outside of church. When we come to church, we just worship the Lord together. We enjoy the Lord together. As a matter of fact, there are people that come to church. Don't get offended if this is you. Well, nobody will know it's you if you don't say anything. But people come to church and the presence of the Lord is so wonderful that it's easy for them to lift their hands and begin to worship the Lord. It's easy for them to dance or just kind of rock to the music. You know, it's easy for them to get caught up in what's going on because this is the presence of the Lord. This is this is this is where God's people are and we're worshiping him and so the presence of the Lord makes things easy for everyone. So when we're here, it's all easy. So this is not where we prove our faith. It's not here. We enjoy it here. We get instructions here. We worship God here. But you're not proving anything here. You prove your faith when you go out there. And so, here I go finishing up here. The scripture says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. That word faith is referring to the truth. Remember we talked about loving the truth a couple weeks ago? So, this, in this portion of scripture, is talking about the truth, truthfulness of the word of God, a true Christian. Are we in the faith? Then it goes on to say how that Jesus is in you. How do we prove Jesus is in us? How do you prove Jesus is in you? Biblically, not according to what you think. Biblically, we prove that Jesus is in us because the Bible says when we receive him, the evidence of us receiving him, we speak with tongues. Then we know Jesus is in us when we demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. So you receive the spirit. There's an evidence that proves you receive the spirit. And then there's an evidence that's tangible in your behavior that prove you have the spirit. So there's evidence that you receive the Spirit, and there's evidence, according to your behavior, that you have the Spirit. Yeah. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those things, when they're in your life manifesting, prove you have Christ in you. And the Bible says, except if we don't do those things to prove it, then we can find ourselves being reprobates. You know what a reprobate is? A reprobate is one that is not approved. A reprobate is one that is cast away, one that is rejected. So it means that when you examine yourself and you prove yourself and none of it is legit, then you find yourself being a reprobate. And what you have to do is go and seek the Lord so you can receive the Lord. The good news about when you hear this kind of preaching is that whatever place you're in, you don't have to stay there. What I always tell you, conviction comes from the Lord and condemnation comes from the devil and people. So when God's word convicts your heart, what God is saying is, I'm convicting you 
to encourage you to change. The devil come at you and make you feel like you have no hope. You're done. You are no good. That's what the devil does. So anytime you feel like you have no hope, you're no good, you can never make it, that's coming from the devil or from people. God will never do that to you. God is so good that when he tells you what you're doing wrong, he says, but come on, we're going to get it right. He holds your hand and says, come on, we're going to get it right. Come on, let's get this worked out. Come on, let's get it rectified. So he lets you know that you're wrong and then say, come on. Come on. Remember my man, Cain? Cain, you're wrong. But don't worry about it, Cain. If you do right, we'll be all good. God's character always show us. He, he's our heavenly father, which means he's going to point the finger to us and say, you're wrong. But come on. Come on. The prodigal son. When the dad, the, the dad kind of is a, what, what we like to say, a typology of God. And so when the son asks for his inheritance, the, the dad could have says, boy, that's what I promised you, but that don't mean I have to give it to you. That's us. We would have told our kids that. I promised you that, but the way you act, you have a bad attitude. I'm not giving it to you. Get out of here. But he didn't do that. He gave him his inheritance. And dude took it and went and just had a good time. Went to to sting every year. (laughs) Had a good time. Then all of a sudden, money done. He broke. And all his friends he was buying drinks for, like, (laughs) he don't have no money. Let's go to the next dude that got money. All his friends he was hanging with, they just left him. Because they're like, man, you know, we leaving you. You can't help us anymore. They moved on. And so now he can't find no food. He looked in the pig pen to see the pigs eating. And he started eating what the pigs was eating. And then finally, the Bible says he came to himself and said, man, am I an idiot or what? The servants in my daddy's house, they live better than anything around here. So I might as well just go to my daddy's house and say, dad, I don't have to be your son anymore. I will just be one of your servants because the servant life is better than the life I was living. So that's what he thought. Let me go home. And the Bible is just showing us what God is all about. And when the dude was coming, far off, daddy. Ooh, that looked like my boy. Now, I, I, I always say, Bob, we don't know what day of the week he was coming. So we know for sure dad got up every morning looking. That's Jesus. Get up every morning looking. Dad got up every morning looking and he finally one day saw his boy. Yo, get that cow ready that I told y'all to take special care of. Because I knew my son was coming home. And get me that nice coat. Bring it to me. Because I knew my son was coming home. And as the son was coming, he was running. And they ran, and they ran together. Hugged his neck, kissed him, put his coat on. Come on, son. All the son wanted to be was a servant. And the daddy said, no, you my son. Once a son, you my son. That don't change. So no matter how messed up we get, 
No matter how much God convicts our heart, He is still saying, No, you my son, you my daughter. You think I'm telling you something because I got a problem with you? No, I'm telling you something because I love you. That's why I'm telling you. Don't ever forget that about our God. He don't tell you things to make your life miserable, to make you feel just terrible. He tells you things because he wants you to be better. That's all he's doing. He wants you to be better. And he's asking us today to check up ourselves regularly to make sure we're better. Because what he has in store for us will blow our natural mind. Will you stand with me? Listen to me. When you check yourself up regularly, your spiritual checkup regularly, you reduce your risk of getting spiritually sick. Uh huh. When you check yourself up regularly, your spiritual life, you will detect potentially spiritual. Threatening conditions or diseases early. Sometimes we find ourselves in bad places spiritually. But it's because we didn't do checkups and now we're kind of really stuck. Uh huh. When you check yourself up regularly, you limit the risk of complications by closely monitoring existing conditions. So you know if you're struggling with prayer. You know if you're struggling with reading your Bible. But if you keep checking yourself up, you will know, I got to do better. You got to, you keep telling yourself, I got to do better. I got to, that's what regular checkups do. That all the things you are not doing well, you're keeping an eye on it. But if you don't do regular checkups, you will kind of just blow it off. Well, I read my Bible whenever I can. When you do regular spiritual checkups, it increase your spiritual lifespan and improve your spiritual health. When you do spiritual checkup regularly, it reduces the chances of paying a high price for your mistakes. Man, there's some mistakes that we made. And if we don't want to make them again, we got to do spiritual checkups regularly. Last scripture that I have for you. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 3. The word of the Lord says, If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing. We got to do regular checkups. Man or woman, if you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 4 says, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in others. So, we got to do spiritual checkups. There's a scripture that says, cast your care on me. And so today, just for five minutes, for a few minutes, we're going to pray. And we're going to do spiritual checkups. And whatever that issue is or issues are, you just need to cast it on Jesus. Jesus is here to take care of you. 
Jesus is here to get you healthy spiritually. Jesus is here to get you healthy emotionally. Jesus is here to help you in the area that you need help in, but you need to communicate it. Don't do what so many others do, which is to say, he knows, so why I got to say it? That's not the way it works. By you saying it, you're demonstrating faith. This is, this is the part that we never realize. When you say something about what you're communicating to the Lord, what you're saying is, Lord, I know you can do something about this, and I'm communicating to you about it. Don't just chalk it up to he knows. It's called faith. There's a scripture that says, ask. Seek. Knock. Those actions demonstrate faith. And faith is the currency that moves the Lord. So when you want things done, you do it in faith. Faith will cause the Lord to respond to you. And that's why you just don't leave it. Because when you leave it, what you're really saying is, I'm not using the currency that God commanded us to use for God to do what he said he would do. A few minutes. Will you bow your heads? Talk to the Lord. Ask him to search you and show you the errors of your ways. Show you where you are not being who you need to be in him. And tell him, Lord, I need your help. I cast those things upon you this morning because, Lord, I need you to take whatever it is that you need to take from me that is hindering me from being the child of God that I need to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word is already spoken. Your word, Lord God, has gone forth. Now, Lord, it's between us and you now. Lord, we want to have communion with you that you may help us, Lord God, in the areas where we're struggling. Lord, we don't want to deceive ourselves. We don't want to think ourselves to be something when we are nothing. We don't want, Lord God, to wait, procrastinate, and not do what you want us to do. And when that day come, Lord God, we will be in the wrong place, not the place you want us to be. Lord, help us today to make it right. Help us today, Lord God, the thoughts that are ungodly, the thoughts that are immoral, the thoughts that are sinful. Lord, will you remove those thoughts out of our heart? Will you remove those thoughts out of our mind? Huh. Will you remove those actions from out of us, Lord God, that we can be free from ungodliness, we can be free from evil, we can be free from immor immorality, so we can be pure in our heart, that we can live a life that is right and pleasing before you, Lord. Father, we repent of our sins and we ask that you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, Lord, we cast our care upon you. Those things, Lord God, that have us captive. Those things, Lord God, that have us bound. We, we, we cast them upon you today, Lord God, that you may handle them because, Lord, we're not capable. But we know you can, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you'll move on every person in this room right now before we walk out of this place. And that, Lord, you will set us in the path that we must take. That, Lord, you will save us because we need saving, Lord. That you may, oh God, deliver us because we need delivering. Lord, today I pray in the name of Jesus 
that you will teach us, instruct us, and that, Lord God, we will become the true men and women and young people of God you've called us to be. Jesus, have your way this evening, this afternoon. Have your way, Lord God. Speak to us. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Lord Jesus, we love you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Jesus, have your way today. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.